Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Tug room. We're just excited to throw some more, you know, gas on the fire that's already here. And uh, I, I listen, you know, Pastor Phil was talking about watching us. Um, he's talking about Periscope. And so if you guys have Periscope, who's got Periscope? Okay, we got a few of you. The others got to get with the times. It's an app where you can watch live stream all around the world from whoever's got it. And so for us, we travel uh, all over the place. In the last seven and a half years of marriage, we've been to about 50 nations. And everywhere we go, we kind of periscope revival happening or even the sites. Um, But we've been seeing radical stuff happen. I mean, listen, if you want to understand that God is on the cutting edge, you got to grab a hold of technology. I mean, we've been seeing people healed. We've been seeing people saved. We've been seeing creative miracles happen over Periscope. I mean, just the other day I was on a scope talking about healing, and we released a healing um, prayer over Periscope, and a guy with a cancerous tumor, it dissolved. And uh, there was another person that 28 years had been in a car accident, messed their neck up, and, um, you know, they were, they were going through all this trauma and all this uh, stuff with the injury. And over Periscope, you know, we're just kind of having fun, you know, going, hey, if you need a miracle, Put your hand on your body right now. We release healing in Jesus' name. And boom, all of a sudden they could move their neck around for the first time in in years. And there was another guy that lost his sense of taste because of cancer treatment. And um, he had lost the sense of taste and even the saliva glands. And over Periscope, we were preaching a message called Taste and See that the Lord is good. And God gave him his taste back. He never tasted anything in eight years. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? This is happening on Periscope, just like looking at an iPhone, and we're not even in a church. We're just at home hanging out on the couch. And I'm sharing that with you because you could release it to people in your friend circle, and your families too, and, and you could be receiving you know, of the atmosphere of what God is releasing, wherever he's releasing things. And how many know that we need to grab these phones and use them for the glory of Jesus, right? We need to put that out there and say, hey, God's moving in this place, so check this out. And people start getting messed up. But um, anyway, I, I wasn't planning on talking about Periscope, but he mentioned it. And uh, so we're going to give a couple of things away. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Yeah, Miranda's like, you going to let them sit? Maybe for a minute. We'll get them back up in a sec. But um, who likes free stuff? Uh, come on. We got like 50% of the room is honest. And the other 50%, you lying. Now, we got a couple things here. We got some books and stuff in the back, and uh, I'm going to ask Miranda to share her share in a second. But I got a new book that I just wrote called Encountering Angels, and it's uh, real-life experiences of heavenly intervention. And um, this is a, a different kind of topic than, um, you know, maybe what's talked about a lot. But re- even though it's on angels, it's really about the theme of the harvest, and I want to just say this. How many know that 
uh, we're in a season where God is preparing the church for one of the greatest moves of the Spirit that we've ever seen. And how many remember Jesus told a parable about the, uh, the wheat and the tares, right? And he talked about a farmer that would sow seed into the field and that his crops began to grow. And when they began to grow, they found out that an enemy had come and sowed tares in that crop as well and that they were growing together. And Jesus is telling this parable and he says that, you know, the workers in the field come to the farmer and say, what do we do? And he said, do nothing. He said, let them both grow until they're at full maturity. And then when they're fully grown, take up the tares first and bind them and throw them in the fire. And then take up the wheat after that. And then Jesus interpreted his own parable to his disciples. And he said, the farmer who sowed the seed was him. It was Jesus, and the seed was what? The gospel. And, and, and that there was these uh, you know, forces of darkness being Satan who what? Sowed tares or, or negative things into the world. But then there's the sons and daughters of righteousness. And it said that, uh, that God would release the workers in the field. And you want to know what he called the workers? The angels that gathered. And so what it's talking about is it's talking about an end time generation in whom heaven helps them accomplish the things of God. And so one of the things that I did was I wrote a book on the harvest, but I also wrote a book on angels because if heaven's help was to come into your life, how many know we need to know a little bit about it, right? The book of Hebrews tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent from God to assist those who are to inherit salvation. And so God wants you to understand that realm. How many know we'd be super foolish to just focus on angels nonstop, Right? But how many know we'd be equally as foolish to ignore them? Because if God wants to give you help, I don't know about you, but I want it, right? And I tell people all the time, who's ever seen an angel? And they'll be like, this is what happens. You say that in church and like three or four people put their hands up. Then you go, who's ever encountered the devil? And everybody puts their hands up. And it's like, wait a minute, isn't that a little bit strange considering the fact that when Satan fell out of heaven, he only took one third of the angels with him? So mathematically, scientifically, We have a better chance of seeing what? An angel than we do a demon. So why is our focus so weird like that? I'll tell you why. What you focus on, you empower. And if you focus on Jesus, the king of the kingdom, then everything else in his kingdom will be released to you, including the heavenly hosts. And the heavenly hosts will back you up in whatever you're called to do, wherever you're called to go. They'll protect you. I mean, there's a whole whack load of stuff here, but who am I going to give this one to? Okay, you're waving like crazy. Here, come on up here. I used to throw books, but not anymore. Okay, sometimes I get excited and throw books, but I find if I hit you in the head and you start bleeding, my compassion's like, oh, you know. And I, anyway. <laughs> oh, God is good, isn't he? <laughs> okay, um, I have a book called Take Your Place in the Kingdom, and it's all about um, stepping into your God-given authority as a son, daughter of the king. And um, it's all about walking in uh, boldness, faith, and power. And how many of you know that God wants to release boldness in your life so you become unstoppable to the enemy and you begin to plunder hell and populate heaven? Amen. <laughs> And so uh, God wants to make you bold. There's an impartation in here. Seriously, when, when people, I get testimonies all the time of people that read this who had no boldness or lacked boldness, lacked courage, lacked faith, that read the stories in here because it's packed with testimonies, my testimonies, as well as um, 
lots of scripture because I don't do anything without preaching scripture. But um, uh, people read these stories and they read this book and there's a tangible impartation that they receive. And I get testimonies all the time of uh, people that begin to see miracles the moment that they read this book. I had a woman um, fairly recently, uh, or not too long ago, tell me she read the book. She'd been lacking courage. She worked in the hospital. She felt so much boldness and faith come in her life when she read this book that literally the next day she went into the hospital and there was a patient that was that was uh, not given much time to live and she had real bad, a real severe, uh, I believe it was um, a, a blood condition or nerve um, nerve damage issue and, um, and she was healed right there and then because this woman got boldness and faith to pray for her. None of the goodness of God. So you'll definitely receive an impartation of authority and faith and boldness from this book. And so I want to give this to someone that needs um, a little uh, jumpstart of boldness in this place. Do you want it? You want it? I'll give it to you. <laughs> Bless you. You're welcome. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, Miranda's going to share for a bit here first, and then I'm going to share with you guys. But um, I really feel like tonight God wants to release faith. And sometimes when he begins to release faith, it's, it's like this. It's, it's more caught than it is sometimes taught. And what I mean by that is it's like Samuel in the Old Testament. How many of you remember Samuel had a school of the prophets and he began to teach, you know, these prophetic men and, and, and he began to teach them about prophesying and the things of the Spirit. And in that moment of time, Saul, the king of the day, came and he, he walked up to the mountain probably because he wanted a word from Samuel. But when he walked up onto the mountain, he began to prophesy. And, and, and there was such a powerful realm of activation uh, as the Holy Spirit was moving in that place that he didn't even have to do anything. He didn't have to fast. He didn't have to pray. He didn't have to do anything. He just stepped into an atmosphere that was being released in that place, and he caught the anointing of God, and he began to prophesy. And people, they said, is Saul now one of the prophets? And the answer was no, but he caught something. See, he was a king, not a prophet, but the king caught a prophetic uh, anointing and began to prophesy. And I'm believing tonight that you're going to catch faith in this place. And so I want, sh I want Miranda to share first for a bit here, and then I'll jump in. And, and we're going to pray for people tonight. I believe God will heal people. I believe that uh, there's a, a, a fresh impartation. We're going to give prophetic words because we really believe in encouraging the body. And, um, and for some of you here, I always say this. There's always three types of people in our meetings. There's those that are on fire you're going to get more fire. There's those that have lost the fire or maybe they've lost that first love. You're going to get rekindled and God is going to restoke the fire of, of, of love in your life. And then there's those that don't know Jesus. Those that maybe you've come with a friend tonight or maybe uh, you know, you know, you've never quite made that decision before and, 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 and you know, we'll give people opportunity for that too. But I find that in every meeting there's three types of people and if we can identify that, we can understand how God wants to move. Amen? How many know he wants to meet all three? And so I say that to you because I don't want you to sit there and go, well, you know, this doesn't really apply to me. No, this replies to all of us, including myself. I want more fire. Woo, Jesus. Here. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm not going to hopefully share too long because Jeremy has a message, but uh, he says, go for it. But um, I really feel like uh, God 
wants to make himself known in a way more tangible way in this region. And I feel like in this season um, that he's going to begin to make himself known. He's going to make himself more real, more evident to people in this region, to you guys, those that are in this place, as well as those that are in this region, the surrounding region. I really feel like he wants to make, he wants to evidence himself. He wants to make himself known. He wants to become a reality more than, because the Lord was even showing me, even as I was standing up here, that um, there's many people maybe even some of you in this place tonight, that you've known about God. You've maybe, you know, had a, a relationship with him, but it's been more of like, this is, this is how I grew up, or this is what I came into, or this is, you know, I go to church. But I'm telling you that in this season, he's going to begin to, there's going to be a trigger released, even in this region, that's going to begin to make the reality of Jesus and the supernatural way more evident than ever before. Amen. I, I, come on, thank you, Jesus. And I, I feel like there's, there would be even a harvest of souls from it. But more than anything, there's going to be um, an awakening to the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And I felt, I saw um, the Holy Spirit coming like a blanket of presence on this region. That just like the cloud came in today, uh, that thick cloud, I, I saw in worship this blanket of presence coming in. And I feel like uh, more than ever before, this region is going to begin to experience the presence of God, the reality of God, the presence of God, and the presence of peace. And he gave me the scripture, John 14, 27, which says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give to you, so that do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And I, I really believe that he's going to blanket his peace and he's going to blanket his presence in such a tangible way that fear has to go. And I'm telling you, the Lord is going to break the spirit of fear off this region in Jesus' name. And we're going to make a decree here in a moment. I kind of just did, but we're going to make an official decree here in a moment after I share a couple testimonies, because I really believe that there that God wants to release a shift in this region where fear is broken from individuals and it's broken from the region and peace begins to come in in a very very tangible weighty way amen and I experienced this um uh, several years ago, actually, when I went to Peru, because I, we went to Peru, we took a team to Peru, we went into this city called Cyan, and the Lord spoke to me. I was going to be preaching the evangelistic crusade that night, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, before I got up on the platform, he said, this, this region is crippled with fear, tormented with fear. I want you to break the spirit of fear and release my peace in this region. So I got up on the platform, preached the, uh, preached the gospel to the thousands that were there, and uh, gave the altar call. People came forward, uh, you know, hundreds got saved, and we released miracles, and the Lord said, okay, make the decree. So I said, made a simple decree. I said, in the name of Jesus, we just break the spirit of fear off these people in this region. We release the peace of God in Jesus' mighty name. Well, I didn't know, none of us knew, none of my team knew the situation in that region. But when we got back in the bus with our team and we were led um, back out or we drove um, out of that region, we noticed that all of a sudden there were police cars escorting us out front and back. And all of a sudden the, the lights in the bus grew completely dim and we were, we were hushed. We were told to be quiet. All of our, we, we couldn't talk any longer. 
So we didn't know what was going on, but we get out of the region, and finally the lights come back on, and they said, okay, you can talk again. Well, it turns out for the last year to two years, there had been a major crisis in that, era, in that region. And what was happening was a major corporation was coming in and trying to take over the work of the sugarcane fields. Well, you got to understand that that region was very, very impoverished. And the, the main source of income for the locals was the work of the sugarcane fields. So what was happening was with this corporation coming in, the locals were so afraid of losing their jobs to this big corporation that out of fear of losing their jobs and fear of not having a way of providing for themselves and their family, they were setting up blockades on the road. Anytime they saw a bus or a large vehicle come in, thinking it's the corporation, thus the police cars escorted us out because they knew that the locals might think that we were part of that corporation. And so they would set blockades up on the road out of the fear that they had, and then they would kill everybody. And there was so much bloodshed in those fields because of fear, the last incident being two weeks, just two weeks before we were there. And I didn't know that, but the Lord had spoken to me to break that spirit of fear over that region and out of those people, off those people, and to release, release uh, peace. And um, four days after we left, we got the report. Just four days later, for no reason at all, except we know that it was by the Spirit of God because of the decree. How many know Job 22:28 says, you shall decree a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. So we decreed the peace of God being released. And four days after we left that, that region, the city council decided to sign a peace treaty with that corporation. No more bloodshed, total peace, total unity. The corporation actually decided to use the locals as their source of their workers. Amen. And so we released a decree and a tangible sign of the peace of God was imparted into that region. No more bloodshed. That's the goodness of God. Amen. And so I really believe that even tonight, God's going to break his spirit of fear off this region, and he's going to release a tangible uh, peace, the peace of God, uh, into this region. But he's also going to do it for individuals. Because how many of you know that the peace of God is what we need in this hour, in this day? Amen? With so many issues coming up around the world, so much, you know, war and rumors of war, as the Bible says, Jesus even, you know, warned that that's going to happen. But he said, my peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. There's an impartation of peace, faith, and boldness that God wants to give to you because you are the conduit of Jesus. You are the conduit of the Prince of Peace to the world around you. Amen? And I'm telling you, come on, thank you, Jesus. There's a tangible impartation that God wants you to give to the world around you. I've seen it in individuals' lives. I not only preach around the world, but on the side, I do some modeling, print and runway. And it's been amazing because I do it for the glory of God. I do it to be a witness to those around me. And I, I raise the bar, the standard. I, I don't compromise, but I actually, I actually use that that sphere of influence to be a light for the kingdom of God. And I see people uh, set free. I see people, I prophesy, I see people healed. I see, I dream interpret, I, I, I preach the gospel, give them the, the salvation message and prayer. And people are asking for it. They're hungry for it. But what's amazing was just a couple weeks ago, I was doing a, a runway show, and I went into that event just as I always do, at saying Holy Spirit, looking, looking at the people and saying, Holy Spirit, who is it that you want to touch tonight? Who is it that you want to touch today? 
I was looking for words of knowledge because that's just what I know to do, or prophetic words. And God spoke to me so clear, and he said, oh, Miranda, you don't have to try today. He said, um, I'm going to bring the people to you. I'm going I'm to bring the encounter to you. I'm going to make it happen. Don't even try. Don't even try and get words of knowledge because I'm just going to open it up. So sure enough, a, a little while goes by, and uh, I'm, I'm standing by one of the designers waiting to get fitted in, in a dress. And as I'm standing there, there's a, another girl directly right beside me, high fashion model, and she's toppled over a table like this. And all of a sudden, she starts outwardly um, complaining. She's like, oh, I shouldn't be modeling. I shouldn't be doing runway this soon out of the hospital. And I thought, oh, well, here's my opportunity. <laughs> just casually, I just said to her, I said, oh, how come you were in the hospital? It was only about two days before that she got out. And she said, oh, I have kidney, kidney problems. She had kidney disease. And she said she was in excruciating pain in her kidneys and her lower back. And she could hardly stand in her heels, let alone walk what you need to be able to do for the runway. <laughs> and so I just said to her, well, this may sound weird, but, you know, I'm a healing minister and I see miracles all over the world. Can I pray for you? And she got wide-eyed. She's like, really? Wow, that's so nice of you. She said, sure. Meanwhile, there's about 10 other models that are standing right by watching. This is so cool, they're all saying. And so I, I put my hand on the girl's back and I just said, in the name of Jesus, we just release the peace of God. So there's a tangible impartation of the peace, the Prince of Peace. So that we release the peace of God. I just command those kidneys to be healed, to be new, and all the pain to go in Jesus' name. So I take my hand away and I say, so what do you feel? And she says, well, I felt this overwhelming sense of peace go through my body. And she says, there's no more pain. It's totally gone. And she's freaking out. Well, her mother was, happened to be there because her mother helps out with the shows with that particular uh, runway director, producer. And she's like wide-eyed and, wow, that's amazing. Thank you for praying for my daughter. And the girl goes on through the night to tell me to exchange numbers with me, to keep testifying hours later even, saying no more pain. She's totally healed and say, telling me, wow, I've been wanting to get closer to God hungry for it. And it all came from that boldness, that faith, and being led by the Spirit, and then releasing the Spirit through peace, through His presence, through boldness and courage. And not only did she get healed and touched and encounter God, but her mother did, because her mother, moments after I prayed for the daughter, starts telling another model, oh, I'm in so much pain, and then looks up at me. <laughs> and so I said to her, how come you're in pain? What happened to you? And she said, oh, I've got fibromyalgia, and I have chronic pain, and especially when I'm standing for a long time, it, it shoots pain all through my legs and into my feet. And I said, well, you know, God healed your daughter. I'm like, I see fibromyalgia healed. I've seen it healed many times. Can I pray for you? And she says, yes, please do. So she gives me her hand, and I just take her hand, and I say, in the name of Jesus, we just release the peace of God. I just command that fibromyalgia to go and the pain to leave your body right now in Jesus' name. So I take my hand away. I said, so how are you feeling? She said, well, I feel this. I feel this overwhelming sense of peace going through my body. And I said, well, how about the pain? And she starts moving. She's like, wide-eyed. She's like, you don't even understand. She said, I was in so much pain just before you prayed, but it's completely gone. She's like, for real, there's no more pain whatsoever. She's tripping out, flipping out, completely shocked, but it all came through just releasing the Spirit of God through the tangible peace of God. Amen? 
And I want to encourage you tonight because people out there are hungry. They're hungry for reality. And you're in a season right now where over Tug, we're over this region, the Central Coast, that God wants to release a weighty glory of peace, a weighty presence of the Spirit of God where people encounter His reality, where they encounter Jesus, where they encounter God, more than just a name, more than they heard it in church years ago, more than someone told them the name of Jesus, but rather they have a personal encounter for themselves. Because God wants to release a weighty, weighty presence in this region, in this hour, and He wants to release a boldness and a peace inside of you that will cause you to step out and be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 14 said, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And see, God wants you to be so led of Him that He begins to encounter people through you because you're called to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Just the other day, two days ago, I believe it was, I was um, we were in Melbourne. And, you know, we see miracles everywhere we go. We see them in meetings. But I'm always seeing them outside of meetings outside of ministry because how many know our life is meant to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You're meant to be on in the Holy Spirit at all times. Amen. See, when you're a friend of God, when you're intimate with him, you can't help but release his presence everywhere you go. Amen. And so uh, just a couple of days ago, we were in Melbourne and I came out of the gym. And um, when I came out of the gym, I was waiting for my ride, our host. And I'm just standing on the step there. And all of a sudden, this guy walks by me and he's hobbling with a terrible, terrible limp. And so I just naturally said to him, hey, what happened? You know, what happened? How come you're limping? And he uh, very kindly said, oh, well, I tore my Achilles tendon. It was very friendly. So I knew that he was, um, he was open. And... Uh, and uh, so I just said to him, well, you know what? This is crazy, but I actually see a lot of miracles. And, um, you know, I, I see broken bones heal. I see tears, you know, tendons healed and all this stuff, cancers dissolve. And uh, so I just said, you know, I'd love to pray for you for your Achilles tendon to be healed. Said, That's really cool. And uh, so I chatted with him for a little bit. And within a few moments, I'd asked him if I could put my hand on his, on his tendon. Uh, because sometimes, you know, God heals in the atmosphere. Sometimes you just release a word. And sometimes you're led by the Spirit to, you know, put a hand on the shoulder or uh, the back or whatever. And so I felt by the Holy Spirit to ask if I could touch his ankle. And so I just, I, he was very kind. said, yeah, sure. And so I put a hand on there. I just said, in the name of Jesus, I just command that tear, that torn Achilles tendon to be repaired and restored right now in Jesus' name. And there would be no more pain. Now, I step back. I say, so what's going on? And he gets wide-eyed, and he starts walking around. He's like, this is the weirdest thing ever. He said, this is so weird. Can I ask how? He said, there was a snapping. It's not snapping. There was a jolting. There's no jolting. There's no pain. It's, this is crazy. This is the weirdest thing. Can I ask how? And I said, well, it's Jesus. I said, Jesus loves you. Jesus knows you. Jesus is available to you at any point in time. You can talk with him at any time, and he's there listening, and he's there to talk back, and he's there for relationship. And I left him with that. I said, Jesus is there for relationship, and he, he just got quiet, but he was taking it all in. And how many of you know that there was a seed planted that day that caused him to understand the reality of God? See, and God wants to do the same for you. I'm sharing these stories because I want you to see that it's, it's not just about in a church setting, but it's about you 
getting such an impartation, such an activation through your intimacy with God that you become that living conduit, that living vessel of the Holy Spirit where everywhere you go, you release a tangible impartation of the peace of God where there's despair, where there's trouble, where there's fear. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for God is with you. Amen? Acts 10.38 says, Now you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil and setting them free. Amen? God was with him. And so God wants to anoint you tonight. He wants to anoint you with boldness, and he wants to anoint you with the, the tangible presence of peace, presence, so that you begin to release that everywhere you go. And he wants to make himself so much more real to you. So just before Jeremy comes up, I want you to stand up. And we're going to release a decree. And I'm going to release a decree into this region because I really believe that God wants to release that tangible presence that would come in such a way that would shift out and move out every trace of fear in this region that's holding people back, that's causing despair, that's causing anxiety and anguish. And I'm telling you that the tangible peace of God will come in this place and come in this region to bring forth a reality of the person of God. And so, Lord, I thank you for each person here tonight. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you are so real. You are so available, God, not only to the ministers, but you're available to every single person in every sphere of influence, every place in life. And so, God, right now, Lord, we just release an impartation, God, an impartation of boldness, an impartation of presence of Holy Spirit, an impartation, Lord, of the peace, the tangible peace of God and of courage, God. Lord, to be bold, and to be activated. And Lord, that every single person here, Lord, would know in a tangible way, in a very real way, your reality, God. I thank you that this is a season that you would make yourself known in such a personal way. So Lord, even tonight, God, make yourself known to these ones here in such a personal way. And I just speak even to this region that a weighty presence of Holy Spirit comes in, even like the clouds came in, Lord, that a weighty presence, a weighty blanket of the presence of God, the presence of peace would rest over this region and the surrounding cities, the surrounding towns, a weighty presence that would cause every single person to encounter God and know that He is alive, know that He is real, know that it's more than just a name or just a belief or just a church, but Lord, that they would know without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, that you are real and you are personable and you are available, Lord. And so, God, I thank you for the peace of God coming in and every trace of fear lifting off these people and being pushed out of this region in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you guys. Come on, just... Close your eyes for a moment. Just keep receiving. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Well, let the winds of heaven blow. Well, the winds of the Holy Spirit are blowing in this room.
right here, right now. Oh, the winds of heaven is blowing away all the fear. He's blowing away all the depression. Yeah, he's blowing away all the fear. Just like on that ancient day When the winds of heaven blew Well, the fire fell Well, the fire fell on everyone We say, do it again, Father Do it again, love Do it again Oh, cause we're hungry for your love We're hungry for your spirit Oh, Jesus, have your way, have your way, have your way, yeah, oh, yeah. Because we worship you, oh, King of kings and Lord of lords, yeah. Oh, that's what we've come tonight to do. We've come to worship you. Just put your hands up. His presence is in this place. Let the weight of heaven come. Let the weight of glory come, Lord. Let it rest on everyone. Cause we want to know you more, more and more and more and more. We want to know you more, yeah. Because the love of God is flooding the room right now, yeah. Oh, the love of God is flooding the room right now. Yes, it is. What is it that you need? What is it that you desire? Oh, ask him now, yeah, because he's a good father. And he gives good gifts to his children, yeah. Because there's breakthrough in worship. Well, there's breakthrough. There's an open heavens in this place tonight, yeah. Come on, he's marking people right now with the fire of God. Listen, there's some of you, you just need to receive this like a child. <laughs> Did you know Jesus said to his disciples, he said this, he said, you can't enter the things of the kingdom of God unless you come like a child. How many of you know that children, how many know children only do really three things, right? Eat, sleep, and play. Eat, sleep, and play. And you know what's amazing about children is they don't ask why, they just do stuff. And I remember I was hanging out with my nephews one time and I was at this little tiny itty bitty table 
and I'm having, you know, just a time of hanging out with them. And the, the, the seat I'm in is too small. My knees are up to the table. And my, my nephew looks at me and he goes, here, man, I made you a hamburger. And he slides me a hamburger that did not exist. Like we're talking an imaginary hamburger here, somebody. So, I, I, you know, I, how many know you got two choices at that point? Am I going to have fun with my nephew and be childlike or am I going to be grown up? And be like, that's not real. You're, what are you doing? Like, how, how many know we get too grown up sometimes? Even some of you young people, you're too grown up already. And, and I mean, listen, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and he goes, come on, man, I made you a hamburger. And he slides it to me. And so I, I'm a goofball. I like to have fun. And you know what? Sometimes that's what it takes to see the kingdom of God. And I just grabbed the hamburger that didn't exist. And I'm like, mm, mm, so good. you know. And then he goes, now we're going to have some tea. And I'm like, tea? he starts pouring tea out of a pot that doesn't exist into a cup that doesn't exist. And he slides it to me. And I'm like, woo, my favorite. That's great. And then he goes, the Queen of England's here. And I look over at the Queen of England, who's obviously not there, but she's there. And I go, your majesty. And I take a drink, and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he said, Jeremy, sometimes this is how it is with my spirit. He said, I'll put drink and food before you that you can't see with your natural eyes, but it's up to you. Am I going to receive it? Am I going to receive what God wants to release? And, and I mean, listen, I've heard preachers that get up, there's a river in this place, and the river of God, which makes the city of God glad, is here, and, 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 and God wants to fill you with his presence. And how many know all the grown-ups go, oh, here we go again, this prophetic stuff. No, really, sometimes the Holy Spirit will put a river in the room that you get to choose. Do I jump in the river or do I be grown up and not jump in the river? And how many know it's always the ones that jump in the river that get the breakthrough? Woo! Come on, somebody. See, we got, I'm telling you, a few of you are starting to get this. Like, see, God wants to mess you up tonight with his goodness and with his love. And sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes what you need is a touch of his spirit to come and, and, and for him to awaken your heart again to childlikeness. Because when we become like a child, then all of a sudden it's no longer, you know, did I really hear God say that? And should I really do that? But when he speaks, you go, okay, Lord, no problem. And that's how breakthroughs happen. I mean, listen, Miranda told about 20 stories, or probably not 20, but a ton of stories of all these miracles and all these healings and all of these things, and I want to just tell you this, is that I know my wife, and one thing about her that's amazing is she's just radically obedient to the Holy Spirit. And when God speaks to her and says, go, she goes, and, and that's why the miracles happen. And, and, and I want to just say this, there's no difference between her and you. How I many know the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive on the inside of us? Romans 8.11 says that. And it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you and dwells inside of me and quickens our mortal bodies. And I want to just say this to you, is you don't have a junior Holy Ghost. You know, sometimes you think it's like Macker's where you go and you get, oh, well, the small fry and then the, you know, supersize me fry. Well, the Holy Spirit isn't like that. See, when you receive Jesus, you receive all of Jesus. When you receive the Holy Ghost in your life, you don't have to wait 10 years down the road till you graduate to see his power. You can see it instantly because he is power. Ooh, come on, who's, who's getting what I'm saying here? See, Jesus is turning the light switch on tonight. Thank you, Lord. 
you, Jesus. Oh. See, God wants to, God wants to just release a revelation to us in this place tonight. See, Miranda was talking about all of this stuff happening, and I want to just tell you what she's really testifying to you about is this, is that we can live under an open heaven because of the cross. Because of what Jesus did, because Jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the dead. He opened the heavens over our lives once and for all. And I want to just say this, is that there's some people that walk around on this planet as if the heavens are closed and as if God doesn't speak to them and as if, you know, it's only the special ones that were, you know, born under a sign that, you know, God really uses or maybe just the pastors. I mean, listen, God wants to use every one of you. He wants to use every one of you. He wants to bless every one of you. He wants to touch every one of you. Go ahead and just take a seat for a minute. We'll jump back in this. Don't worry. We're going to pray for people. I mean, I'm so excited. I'm telling you, God wants to... See, God wants to take us from glory to glory. I mean, who wants to go to the next level in their relationship with Jesus? Like when you really get honest. And you know how I know you do? Because you wouldn't be here on a Thursday night. If you weren't hungry for Jesus and you weren't hungry to, to see his love. And I want to just say this. Turn with me if you got Bibles to Genesis 28. Because I, I want to show you something here. Because uh, in Genesis 28, you have one of the patriarchs of our faith. How many know we read about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? And we have all of these, um, these Old Testament heroes. You can read about them even in uh, you know Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, where it talks about these ones that God had, had uh, you know called righteous and he had credited to them uh, righteousness because they had a faith that believed God for promises and even when they didn't see it they still believed him and I'm telling you I believe God is raising up a generation like this and what's amazing about it is here's the one thing that happens when I begin to read the Bible and and when I begin to read the Bible it brings me hope and I'll tell you why it brings me hope because I read about these powerful men and women of God like Elijah and Elisha and Deborah and I, re- I read about you know Samson I read about you know uh, Abraham Isaac Jacob I read about you know all of the uh, the the disciples like Peter and John and James and all these guys and and you know what really gets me is when I start reading their story I look at it and go, wow, these guys were more messed up than me. But yet God used them so powerfully to change the world around them. And when I read the Bible and I see that, it messes me up because it begins to show me something in my heart. Is, is, here's what it tells me. It tells me that God is not looking for the qualified, but he's looking for the hungry. He's looking for the willing. He's looking for the ones that are, are, are so hungry for him that they'll do anything to get closer to his heart. They'll do anything to have more of his spirit in their life. They'll do more than anyone around them because not, not because they want to show off to their friends and get the next great testimony, but simply because they have a desire to know God more. And when you begin to live a lifestyle of radical love for Jesus and radical obedience to his voice, the heavens open over your life and, 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 and you're never the same. And I want you to see something here because in this portion of scriptures, in Genesis 28, it says this. It says that, um, you know, it tells us the testimony about Jacob 
when he had one of the, when he had the first encounter that he had ever had with God. And it's an amazing story because it tells us that Jacob was on his way, um, you know, to, to Beersheba. And as he was on his way, he stopped in a place called Haran. And he laid his head down on a rock in a certain place. And when he did that, the heavens opened over his life. And the angels of God began to ascend and descend from the throne of heaven. And, and the Father from heaven began to speak over Jacob's life. And, and, and I'll tell you what he began to do. He began to speak his destiny to him. I mean, listen, who in this place wants to know your destiny? Who in this place wants to know what is it that I'm called to do, God? Who, who have you called me to be? Where do you want me to go in this next season? How am I supposed to live my life? Like, what, what is it? What's my purpose? I don't know about you, but I want to know that. And, and here's one thing I've discovered is when you discover your purpose, when you discover who you are and whose you are, it changes the game because no longer do you run around aimlessly trying to fill uh, your heart uh, with things that are meaningless, but all of a sudden the one who is uh, the one that you're called to uh, fill your heart with begins to fulfill your life like never before. And, and, and I'm telling you, that this story about Jacob is amazing. I want to read it to you. It says now, uh, this is Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. It says, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Now I want you to see something here, because... What happens in this portion of scriptures is beyond just an open heaven experience and, and, and angels coming and, and, and even, um, you know, the, this whole sense of him being, you know, revealed as one of those that are going to receive the inheritance of Abraham and, and, you know, even Isaac. But what happens is this is a day when Jacob begins to discover who he is and who God is in his life. And, and, and so many people, they love to preach out of this portion of scriptures and they like to talk about the open heavens and how, you know, when we begin to know God more, it opens the heavens of our lives. And there's some beautiful truth in here because notice it said that he put his head upon a rock, right? And I want to just say this. When you give your life to Jesus, who is the rock of our salvation, when you lean not on your own understanding, but you begin to put your trust in him and, and, and you begin to allow him to have his way in your life, it opens the heavens over your life. And all of a sudden, the angels of God began to ascend and descend. They began to watch over your going out and your coming in. And not only that, the Father will begin to speak to you. And, 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 and so here is Jacob having this moment where God is defining to him who he is and whose he is. And I believe tonight God wants to define to people in this room who they are and whose they are. And, and what's amazing is if you want to understand this story in its fullness, then you have to look at the fullness of the story being you need to look even before this story, what happened. And here's one of the things that the church is really good at. How many know we really want the, the breakthrough? And we want like, you know, the breakthrough now. You know, we like microwavable, like ding, ding, and then all of a sudden it's done, right? But I want to just say this, is that anything that is of God or anything that will, will be something that will cause your life to have meaning or cause your life to have purpose, it doesn't just come microwavable, it comes with a process. See, because the things of God you pay a price for, 
And as we pay the price for those things, they become ours. And it's not just a flash in the pan walk with God, but it's something that's established. And, and, and what's amazing is to truly understand this encounter that Jacob had, you have to understand where he was at in the moment of time when he had it. And I want to just say this, I don't believe Jacob was in a good place. And the reason why I say that is because I've read Genesis 27. If you back up, you can see where he was at. And in Genesis 27, it's where his father Isaac, he gets really old. The Bible says he's so old that his eyesight grows dim, he can hardly see. So basically, he's as blind as a bat. And, 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 and he, he comes to this place in his life where he goes, man, I think God's going to take me home. So now it's time to bless my children with an inheritance. How I many know a good father, good mother blesses their kids, right? The Bible says a, a, a good father and a mother blesses their children's children with an inheritance, right? And, 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 and so here is Isaac, and he's about to bless his sons. And here's the deal. He, he calls Esau and Jacob, his two sons, to him. And here's the thing. In, in, in the Hebrew culture, it's always about the firstborn son. The firstborn son gets all of the, 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 the best of the inheritance. And guess what? Jacob was not the firstborn. In fact, he was the second. And so here, could you imagine being in the shadow of your brother who is the one that's going to receive the blessing and you don't get the blessing, right? Like what that might feel like. I mean, some of you maybe feel that sometimes already. You look at people and you say, wow, the grass is so much greener on their side. You know, or, or, and, and, and you know what happens is Jacob, you know, him and his brother Esau get taken before the father. The father says to him, hey, why don't you, uh, Esau, go out and prepare a meal for me. Go kill some animals, prepare a meal for me, and bring it back to me. And when you do, I'm going to pray for you and bless you with the blessing of heaven. And, and, and so what happens is Esau runs off to go hunt some animals, and Rebekah, the mother of Esau and Jacob, comes to Jacob and says, now's our chance. And he goes, huh? And she goes, listen, why don't you go dress yourself up like your brother, steal his robe, put it on, and, and, and listen, we know your brother is hairy, so go get some goat hair. I mean, this is a bizarre story in the Bible. Go get some goat hair and tape it onto your arms. I mean, listen, Isaac must have really been blind, all right? Like this dude taped goat skin on his hands and on his arms. And, 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 and you know what happens is the mother of Jacob says, you all cook a meal for him. And, and, and you know what? We'll give it to him. You go in, you trick your father into thinking that you're Esau, steal the blessing, and then it's all good. I mean, no, just say messed up. And I want to just say this to you. If you think that family dysfunction is only in your household, it's been happening for thousands of years, guys. Because this is messed up. And, and, and you know what Jacob does? He actually does it. He dresses himself up in his brother's clothes, probably sprayed his cologne, put this goat skin, you know, put the young baby goat skin, it says, so that his arms were hairy, you know, taped it to his arms. And, and he walks in and he brings the meal to his father Isaac. And, 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 and his father Isaac, it says that he starts touching Jacob like, is it really Esau? And he starts feeling his arms. He's like, oh yeah, he's hairy. This must be him, you know? And so he lays hands on him and he prays for him for a blessing and, 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 and he gives him the firstborn blessing even though he's not the firstborn, he's the secondborn. And then how many know as soon as he's done like a good soap opera, Esau comes home. And Rebecca looks over at Jacob and she goes, you better get out of here, your brother's going to kill you. And he runs from a problem that he created. And I want to just say this, is, have any of you ever done something dumb? Have you, have you ever done something that was just straight up stupid and you're like, man, why did I do that? And later you're kicking yourself and you're like, oh. And, and listen, I, that's where Jacob was at. 
when he had this encounter with God, it was actually as he was running from this problem he made in his home, and he was on his way to Beersheba, what, escaping this problem back here. Anybody ever had a problem in your life and then you had to run from it? You know, because it's like, well, I just messed that one up too much, so I guess I'm going to move. You know, like, I got to get out of here. And, and, and I mean, know, oh, this happens sometimes. And I want to just say this. What was it that got him in trouble? Here's what it was that got him in trouble. He wasn't secure in who he was called to be. You know what he did? He dressed himself up like his brother that he was not hoping to get a blessing from his father because he thought that if he could look like his brother, then, then, then he would be blessed like his brother would be blessed. How many people in church do that? You know, we dress ourselves up like someone that we're not. Trying to get what? Acceptance. Trying to get what? Love. Trying to get what? Uh, you know, favor. Uh, if I just could sound like pastor when he speaks. If I could just dress like that girl. Or if I could just be like that guy because they're the cool ones in school. Then, then, then maybe, you know, people will love me and accept me too. And, and I'll have fulfillment in my heart. And I'm telling you, it's not just in the church. It's in the world. I mean, listen, I got saved at 22 years old, my junior year of college. And I remember, I'm telling you, I used to be like the most, you know, messed up, you know, identity crisis person that you'd ever meet. I mean, when I grew up, I grew up in um, Colorado and in the United States of America. I moved to California to play baseball in college, and it was hilarious. When I grew up in Colorado, I remember when I was like 13 to 14, I thought I was a cowboy. I had like buckles and hats and like all this stuff, and I had boots, but I had no horse. Come on, how many know that's an identity crisis, you know? And, I, and then I grew out of that because I was an athlete. And, and so then I wore nothing but like jerseys and like, you know, my pants sagging down. I, I, was, I thought I was a gangster. And I mean, I would rap all the time and I still rap. I, I rapped the other night at Stairway Church and it was amazing. But, uh, but you know what? I was like, people would look at me and be like, you, you, you do know that you're not black, right? And I'd be like, what you talking about, homie? You know, and, and by, you know, I'd be at home and I'd be like, man, life is just so hard. My dad's like, what are you talking about? You got, a, you got a good allowance and like we pay for everything. And I'm like, man, shut up. You're ruining my image, you know. And it's like there's these things that we do at times that are just so crazy and out there. All of us have done it, you know. And from one time or another and we call it change, you know. And, and, and what it is is we're searching for something. And what is that something we're searching for? Love and acceptance. And I, I'm telling you, Jacob was in this place, and, and then after he tried to be his brother that he was not, and he stole the blessing, and I, I want you to understand something. He left that situation empty once again. But here's the goodness of our God. Here's the goodness of the Father. The Father doesn't look at things the way we look at things. Listen, if we were the ones to have chose who Jesus would have raised up as the apostles, I mean, listen, they would have been all messed up. Because I, I love Jesus' way of doing it. He's like, well, find me the most unqualified people I can. In fact, those two stinky fishermen over there that actually are no good at fishing, how do we know that? Because Jesus preached from Peter's boat and all night long they went to catch fish and caught nothing and, and they were all depressed. And then what does he do? He says, throw the nets out. They catch such a huge harvest of fish that not only does it fill their boats and they begin to sink, but they get saved. And not only do they get saved, they leave the whole fishing business, tell their father, hey, you can have all the fish. I'm out. I'm following this guy. I mean, listen, he didn't go find the rocket scientist. And, and, and not only that, he went and he found a guy that everybody hated. He's like, oh, tax collector, the guy that rips everybody off. You know, this is the guy that nobody likes. And he's like, hey, you want to be my disciple? And, and, and you know what I love about Jesus? He never looked at the natural. He always looked at the heart. 
And that's what happens with Jacob. Jacob's in this place where he's like messed up and he's, he's running from a problem he created and then all of a sudden he's, he's probably in a place of sorrow crying himself to sleep like, man, what an idiot. I can't even go back home now. And, and, and he lays his head on this rock. And you know what he found that day? He found grace. He found salvation. He found, he, he found what you and I have in Christ Jesus. He laid his head upon that rock and, and, and he leaned not on his own understanding. And God gave him a dream and he opened the heavens over his life. And the angels of God began to ascend and descend from the throne of God. And God the Father began to speak over him. And God spoke over him his destiny. And, and, and here's the amazing thing about it. Is why is it important to hear the voice of God? Well, I'll tell you why. When you hear the voice of God, he will define to you who you are. And when he defines to you who you are, it changes everything in your life. Because no longer do you live your life to get the acceptance of man doing foolish things that, that, that are just uh, you know, weird and out there. And, and leave you feeling like Jacob all alone in the end. But what happens is significance comes into your life. And all of a sudden you find your destiny, you find your purpose. And, and, and you realize, wow, the only place that I will be satisfied is by being a child of God. I mean, listen, my college years were crazy. I, I was drinking all the time, smoking, going to bars. I'd get in fights all the time. I mean, listen, I tried everything I could to fill my life with acceptance, with my friends. With, I looked for it in women. I looked for it in, in, in uh, I had a nice car. And uh, I was crazy. I sold drugs, so I had lots of money. And some of you are like, dude, you were messed up. Yeah, I was really messed up. But you know what? Jesus loved me. I mean, the Bible says, even yet when we did not know him. ha. Oh. He died for us, even yet when we were sinners, right? See, some of you need to hear this because there might be some of you in this place that feel like I've just gone too far. You've never gone too far. There's hope he wants to release tonight. And, and, and you know what's crazy is Jacob has this encounter and what does it do? It awakens his heart to the reality of God. And you know what's crazy about Jacob's story is I don't even know that he knew God. In fact, I don't think he did. And here's the reason why. I think that he only vicariously knew God. And as he had this encounter, it awakened something in his life to where all of a sudden he was like, wow, God, you're really real. And see, God wants to do that to some of you tonight because if you read on further in the, um, this portion of scriptures after Jacob has this encounter, it's amazing because in verse 16 it says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. And I want you to see this because I believe he went from believing in God vicariously to all of a sudden now he's going... Wow, God, you're real. See, he grew up with Abraham, the patriarch of the Old Testament faith. He grew up with Abraham as his father, as his grandfather. I mean, listen, we sing songs, Father Abraham, you know, all these things, growing up as kids. This guy was his grandfather, you know, and then his dad was Isaac, the one that, you know, his dad put him on an altar and said, you know, uh, like, okay, Lord, well, I just take his life and I'll, you know, I got faith and, and God provided a ram in the thicket. I mean, uh, we're not talking about someone that heard a story. We're talking about someone that lived the story. And is it quite possible that you can be in the house of God your whole life and you can hear all the stories, hear all the preachers, hear all the teachings, see all the miracles, and, 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 and still be living in a place of not knowing your father, but living vicariously through other people's faith? And I want to just say this, is it's not good enough to just live vicariously through someone else. 
I mean, when I was 13 years old, my mother had breast cancer. Doctors said she wasn't going to make it. She lost all her hair. And I remember I, we were freaked out as a family, and someone gave my mother a Bible and said, hey, you should try Jesus. She opened the Bible. She read how Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. She closed the Bible and said, God, if you're really real, would you do it with me too? And all of a sudden, Jesus walked into the room. She had an open vision of a man that had eyes like fire, feet like fine brass, a golden sash about his chest, a man that walked into the room that was pure light. And when he stretched his hand out to her, he said, be healed. And a dove went from his hand into her heart. She was instantly healed from cancer. And that's how my mother got saved. And that was my family's first introduction to Christianity. And I'm telling you, nobody can tell you that Jesus ain't real after that, friends. Because I watched my, watch my mom go from death to life. And, and what was crazy is it, it also makes for a really weird heathen. And I'll tell you why. Because I was the heathen of all heathens. I mean, when I, uh, when I started drinking with my uncles at 13 years old, I grew up in a Hispanic family. And when I turned 13, they're like, you're the age of a man now. It's time to do manly things. And, 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 and so it made for a weird heathen because I knew God was real. And you know what? I was living vicariously through my mother's faith because I saw God heal her. So people would try to preach to me. They'd be like, man, you need Jesus. You know, he's real. And I'd be like, well, yeah, he's real. Of course he is. He healed my mom. And I'd shove him and they'd be like, dude, he sees things I don't even see. Like, what do you mean your mom was healed of cancer? And I'm like, yeah, you say you know Jesus. You know, like, and, and then it was weird because here's the thing. My superstition, because every athlete is superstitious. And, and, and so because God healed my mother at 13 years old, in my mind, I thought to myself, I'm going to read my Bible every day before every game I play and after every game. And, and, and not only that, I'm going to read it every night as superstition because he healed my mother. There's power to help me play baseball better. So from 13 years old to 22, when I got saved, I did nothing but read the Bible day and night, night and day. And I didn't even want to read it, but it was a superstition because it's going to help me hit more home runs and pitch better. And that makes for a really weird heathen, okay? Because you'll be in the bar getting drunk, doing stupid things, and somebody will say something, you'll be like, what? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, pop! You know, and, the, and, then, and then you'll turn around and go, forgive me, man. And they're like, What? Like, what is with this guy? Like, do you hear yourself? And, you know, I'd be like, take the plank out of your own eye before you accuse me, you know. And I mean, it was a weird heathen. I mean, I had a scripture for everything and anything, even though I didn't know. But here's the thing. I was living vicariously through my mother's relationship. I didn't really know Jesus. I was an idiot. And, and, and listen, you may not have been that extreme, like, to where I'm at. I mean, I'm telling you my testimony. But you know what? You could be sitting here and going... Of course I know Jesus. I go to church. Listen, that doesn't mean anything. God wants to make this personal. God wants you to hear his voice. God wants, just like Jacob, for you to lean your head upon uh, the rock, uh, to lean not on your own understanding, but for you to have an encounter with him tonight. Because a man or a woman with an encounter with God is far greater than someone with an argument. And I want to just say this. If you have to argue someone into the kingdom or you have to scare them into the kingdom, how many know you got to keep them scared to keep them into the kingdom? But how many know if someone has a genuine encounter with the grace of God? If they have a genuine encounter with the love of Jesus, a genuine encounter with the, the, the things of the, uh, uh, of the love of God, then they'll forever be marked and the devil will never be able to pick them off. He'll never be able to take them out of, of, of their salvation. I'll tell you why, because it won't be a religious thing. It'll be a relationship thing. 
And see, I'm telling you today, there's some of us in this room that, like I said earlier, you're on fire. God's going to release more fire to you. And there's others of you, you're listening to what I'm saying, and you're like, whoa, this is opening up my world right now because I didn't, I didn't even realize I was living vicariously through my pastor's sermons and faith. I thought I had my own, but you know what? I think I need to do something about this today. Or, or maybe there's some of you here, you're listening to me, and you're like, whoa, I used to have that faith, but I need it back. And I want to just say this, as Jacob, he has this encounter with God. One encounter with the Father can change everything in your life. Everything in your life. He wants to take you from glory to glory. And what's crazy is here's Jacob. He wakes up out of this thing, of this dream. And, 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 and God the Father begins to speak to him. And he tells him who he is and whose he is. And then all of a sudden, he, he becomes aware of the fact that God had been with him the whole time. And he didn't even know it. And some of you in this next season are going to recognize that. Go, I've been going through hell. And God's been with me the whole time. But I didn't recognize or know it. Because I, I, I haven't been spending time with him. I haven't been, you know, connecting heart to heart with him. I mean, listen to me. It's not just about meetings. It's about relationship. And I believe the Holy Spirit's drawn some of you out here this evening because he wants to mark you with something. And, and what's amazing is if you look at, you know, uh, in, in verse, um, verse 18, it, it says this. It says, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took one of the stones that he had put his head on and he set it up as a pillar and poured, poured oil on top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been previously known as Luz. And I want you to see this because it's amazing. Jacob has this encounter with God and not only does it awaken the reality of the fact that God is with him just like he was with his father and his grandfather, but it also begins to cause him to come into an understanding. Oh, Jesus. Of the fact that uh, who he is and whose he is. Because he wakes up and he goes, wow, how awesome is God in this place? For this is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. And, and, and I want to just say this. Did you know that you're the house of God? Did you know that you're the gate of heaven? Did you know that the Bible says that in the Old Testament, God lived in a box. In the New Testament, he lives in you. That when you receive Jesus as Christ and Lord in your life, Jesus, the hope of glory, makes his home, makes his residence inside of your heart. And you become what? The gate of heaven and the house of God. And what's amazing is, is uh, that's what that word Bethel means. And it says that, that, that Jacob wakes up and he anoints the rock. And, and, and not only that, he renames the city. It goes from a place called Luz to a place called Bethel. And how many know when God renames things, it's important? And you know what? I looked up that word Luz. And here's what that word Luz means in the Hebrew language. It means, it means wicked and perverse place. So what I'm saying to you tonight is when you encounter Jesus... And you allow him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. When you lean not on your own understanding, you put your head upon him and your, your understanding upon him and trust him with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, then what it will do is it will cause every wicked and perverse thing on the inside of you to be transformed to the point where you become what? The gate of heaven and the house of God. Whoo, Jesus. See, so why is this important? It's important because you need to know who you are and whose you are. And you need to understand that everywhere you go, you're blessed. That everywhere you go, the heavens are wide open. Listen, I love it. You know, a friend of ours, Bill Johnson, he has an amazing quote. He says this. He says, the only place where there's a closed heaven is between people's ears. Which means your mindset. How many know the devil wants you to believe lies? 
He wants you to believe that you're nothing, you know? He wants you to believe that you're, you're worse than a piece of gum on someone's shoe and, and, and that you're, you're dirt, you're lower than, than nothing. And, and God wants you to understand that you're his son, you're his daughter, you're, you're, you're one that he has chosen. And, and because he's chosen you, he's given everything to you that you already need to call, you know, to, to pull off what he's called you to do. I mean, it was the weirdest thing, but it happened. And then I looked up, and the woman had a big neck brace on. And I said to her, hey, um, wow, that was cool. Like, uh, what's wrong with your neck? And she's like, oh, I've got a bone spur to degenerative disc. The doctor said I can't move my head around. And, um, you know, that eventually I'm going to have to have a metal rod put in there and, and, because my neck is just worn out. I hurt it in a car accident. And, and, and so I said, hey, this might sound really weird, but, like, can I pray for you? Because I believe Jesus loves you and, and he heals people. And she was like, okay, that's, that's weird, but okay. How many know people don't always have to understand? So I just said, okay, cool. And I put my hand right back here on the back of her neck above where her brace was. And I just said, in the name of Jesus. And when I did that, she went, she starts doing this on the street corner. And I'm thinking, this is really weird. Like, what is going on? And I've learned this one prayer that when I don't understand things, I just go, more, Lord. Because I knew God was doing it. I was praying in Jesus' name. So, I mean, listen, we ain't got to be afraid. Greater is he that's in us than he was in the world. So I said, more, Lord. And she's going like this. And, and after about, like, two minutes, you know, she stops. And I take my hand off. And I go, how do you feel? And she takes the neck brace, rips it off, and goes, she's totally healed. And, and, and not only is she totally healed, but I, I just had to know. I said, listen, like, why were you, like, going, you know, when I was praying for you. And she said, well, it was the weirdest thing. She said, when you put your hand on me and said the name of Jesus, the, it, she's like, it's like the heavens opened and this white light came down. And there was, a, uh, there was someone at the top of this white light and it was Jesus and he told me he loved me. And I was, uh, you, uh, you want to know what my response was? God, why couldn't I see it? You know, and, 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 but listen, what happened to that lady? She had an encounter with the open heaven I carry on my life. Because everywhere we go, the heavens are wide open. And, 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 and see, I, I'm telling you, we're going to pray here in a moment. And uh, you got to get this, you guys, because uh, you are not chopped liver. Like, ah, oh, Jesus. I don't even know if that's something you got here. But just think of nasty food. <laughs> Listen, you guys, God wants you to understand something. He loves you. See, John chapter 1, 50, uh, you know, 52, tells us the story of Jesus and Nathaniel. And he sees Nathaniel coming. You remember that story? He says, there's an Israelite without guile. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And he says, because I saw you when you're sitting under the fig tree. And you know what Nathaniel does? He falls down at Jesus' feet and goes, you really are the Savior of the world. And Jesus looks at him and goes, you believe because I gave one word of knowledge like I demonstrated a gift of the Spirit? He said, just wait, Nathaniel, till I die on the cross. And he says, just wait, Nathaniel. He said, he said uh, because you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see the heavens open and the Spirit of uh, you know, God coming. And, and you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the, the Son of Man. And really what he was saying was this. is You think this is a big deal. Wait till I die on the cross, raise again from the dead, make my home in your heart. And the heavens open over you and the angels of God begin to ascend and descend upon your life. And you begin to hear the same voice of the Father I'm hearing. And you begin to see the same miracles that I'm praying for manifesting in your life every single day because I'm on the inside of you, Nathaniel. Come on, is somebody getting awakened today? Ooh, 
Jesus. <laughs> Listen, God wants to open the heavens over your life today. In fact, he already has. Jesus fulfilled Jacob's ladder, by the way. Did you know that Jacob's ladder was an Old Testament type and shadow of what we enjoy in salvation today? That when we put our life and, and we put our mind and our heart and our trust in Christ the rock, it opens the heavens once and for all. The angels begin to ascend and descend. God the Father begins to speak. I mean, how many remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan? He comes up out of the water and what happened? The heavens open. The Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove. And what happened? The Father spoke, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. See, God wants some of you to hear that tonight. God's not mad at you. He doesn't look down at you with a frown. He actually is so madly in love with you that he gave his only begotten son for you that no matter what you might be in right now, no matter what you've been going through, whether you're on fire or you're not on fire, he wants to meet you tonight. Whoo, Jesus. I want you to stand with me. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, you want to know who you are tonight and whose you are? One of my favorite Psalms, and this will wrap this up. See, who would like to see the heavens open, not only over their lives, but over their city, over their family, over their school? over their workplace. Because I can show you something right here that'll cause that to happen. See, because Psalm 24, starting in verse three, it says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And it says, this is Jacob, the generation of those who will seek him, those who will seek his face. And you know what? I've heard this preached over and over and over again. And you know what people do when they preach this is they preach the first part of Psalm 24 if they're talking about purity and holiness. But if they're talking about the glory of God, they preach the second part, which says, lift up your heads, O you gates, you everlasting doors. Lift up your heads that the king of glory might come in. The king of glory, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. And I, I want to just say this to you. Did you know they're not meant to be separated? And I'll tell you why. Because it's talking about the finished works of the cross. It says, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. How many know Jesus' hands got bloody so that yours were forgiven? How many know that Jesus on the cross defeated hell, death, sin, everything that could hinder you? And because of that, you have become the God of, or, or I'm sorry, because of that, you have become a, a generation of Jacob. Those who have what? The ability to seek his face because he made the way on the cross for you to have encounters with God. And what it says here is it says in the last part, it says this, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Well, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen a gate lift its head up? Anybody seen a gate lift its head up before? No. Why does it say that? Because what was the revelation Jacob got? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. 
are you and who am I? None other than the house of God and the gates of heaven. And when the gates of heaven, God's sons and daughters come together and they lift up their heads in worship and they lift up their heads in praise to the one who gave his all, to the one who sits on the throne, then what it does is it causes heaven to come. It causes the king of glory to come. It says that when we lift up our heads and we lift up our praise, it says the king of glory comes down and it says the Lord strong and mighty in battle and it it even goes on and says the Lord of hosts. How many know that before any king goes into battle or any king goes anywhere in the natural, they always have an army that precedes them? You want to know why heavenly hosts come to our meetings? Because before the king walks in, there's an army that goes before him. And see, this psalm is teaching us that as we're sons and daughters of God who are saved by grace, not by our own works or our own efforts, but because of his blood, we are now the gates of heaven and we are now the, uh, the house of God. And when we worship the angels are released up and down upon who you the ladders ha <laughs> you guys get who's getting this see jesus wants to mess us up tonight and you know how he messes us up not with weirdness not with spookiness you get around some people they start talking prophetic it's like what are you even talking about here's how he messes you up with truth he's the way the life and the truth And see, what I'm doing right now is I'm setting you up for victory because Jesus wants to heal people tonight. He wants to mark people tonight. He wants to set people free tonight. He wants to cause you to go from glory to glory. For some of you tonight, he wants you to discover him for the first time. He doesn't want you to live vicariously through your parents' faith anymore, your father's faith, your friend's faith, your pastor's faith. He wants you to have your own walk. He wants you to live in a place of encounter with him where, where uh, all of a sudden it's not about what someone said about God, but you're in the place like Jacob where you go, wow, how awesome is God in this place? He's been with me this whole time and I didn't even know it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.